Welcome to Enriched Menopause, where perimenopausal and menopausal women can learn what's going on with their bodies and how to thrive during this stage and beyond. You are not crazy and you are not alone. I'm Dr. Jessica Rich. Let's do this together. Hello, and welcome back to Enriched Menopause. I am so happy to be talking with you today, and I just wanted to start off by saying thank you for all of you who have been listening, who've been sharing with your friends and family members. As always, I started this journey because I wanted more information for myself, for my friends, for my family, for my patients, because this is one of those things that is just not talked about enough. And we're getting better, but the more we can share, the better and better. So thank you so much. I appreciate you all for that. Today, I wanted to talk about a recent New York Times article that estimated that menopause was costing American women $1.8 billion per year in lost work. Now, this article was based on a study that came out of the Mayo Clinic, where they surveyed more than 4,000 women who were patients at the Mayo Clinic. And they found that of those who responded, about 15% had missed work or cut back on hours due to menopausal symptoms. And over 1% had so debilitating of symptoms that they had actually either quit work or been fired in the last six months. So a pretty significant amount. Now, this study population was mostly white, married, college-educated women. So you may think that it may not completely correlate with the entire population. It's possible that there are many women who are feeling debilitating symptoms and can't miss work or don't have the opportunity to take time off or cut back on hours or quit their jobs if they don't have the same financial circumstances or the same support as the women in this study. Additionally, it may be an underestimate of symptoms bared and the type of suffering and financial issues that people are going through. Because again, for one, this is mostly a group of insured women who are being seen at the Mayo Clinic, who had certain demographic factors, who had the time to respond to this survey and the interest in responding to the survey. And there may be many more women out there suffering who don't quite fit that makeup or who are suffering from symptoms and still just pushing through and going anyway. However, this study was similar to findings in a study published from England that looked at over 3,000 women. And this was a study that followed women over several years. And it found that if women had at least one disruptive menopausal symptom at the age of 50, they were 43% more likely to have left their jobs by the age of 55. So whether this is an overestimate or an underestimate, whether this is something that applies to the whole population at large, clearly there's something going on with menopause and the symptoms that people are experiencing and how that relates to work and productivity and jobs. 
So let's dig in a little here because there were a few things that this article really brought up for me. The first was that perimenopause and menopause, especially the early parts, can really suck. We've talked a lot on this show about the many different symptoms that can come with perimenopause and menopause. And of course, we think about the hot flushes and the mood changes and the sleep disturbances and the aches and the pains and the headaches and all of the things that go along with it. But it really can take a huge toll on our lives and our jobs and how we function and show up in the world. And sometimes we don't even recognize that that's what's going on. I've had colleagues, and of course, as a doctor and a surgeon myself, we are kind of expected to always perform at our best. But I've had colleagues who've had such debilitating headaches or debilitating joint pains in perimenopause that they haven't been able to operate, which is a little crazy because nobody expects their surgeon to not be able to show up for surgery. That said, with any profession, there can be all of these issues and the brain fog and the insomnia that really makes it harder to perform the tasks that were maybe easy to you at some point, or at least something that you could get through and that you have learned over time to kind of do with ease, and suddenly it's not so easy anymore. And that's where I think that perimenopause and menopause can really make it difficult. Now, of course, there are treatments available. So this is where I don't want women to suffer through. If you're having these debilitating symptoms and you want to get better and you don't want to just have to work through it, then of course, hormone replacement therapy is an option. There are other medications and natural supplements and lifestyle modifications. That's really what all this whole podcast is about, is all of the ways we can help to identify and relieve those symptoms. So the better that we can make people feel and the better we can work through this transition, the more productive we can be and the better we can be at making our own choices. The other thing that I want women to know is that these symptoms are temporary, although they can be prolonged and it can take years to go through these symptoms. It doesn't necessarily mean that if you have to cut back on something or take some time off or work yourself through getting treatment and figuring out what's going to work best for you, it doesn't mean that you're never going to be able to go back to that job that you loved or that productivity level that you were at before. Many of these things get better with time and better with treatment. But the second thing that the article makes me think about is our work culture in general, especially as it applies to things like leave or time off. Now, of course, all of us, myself included, wants to be able to be as productive as we can and to feel as well as we can, but we are all human beings. And I think that in our culture, there's a lot of a strong push to not take a sick day when you need it, not take the time off when you need it, whether that be for helping out a family member or somebody who is suffering through an illness or with our own health. And it doesn't have to just be, oh, I have the flu or I have this very specific diagnosed illness. It can be about how we're feeling related to even these natural changes and stages in life. 
I think it's important that people be able to take time off when they need it. Now, of course, that's easier said than done. And for myself included, I don't want to not be able to show up for my patients when they're expecting to see me. I never want to miss a surgery or an office visit. And for everybody, you know, you don't want to let down your clients or your patients. You don't want to let down your colleagues who may have to pick up the slack when you're gone. But I think if we all have a little bit more empathy and a little bit more acceptance to ourselves and the fact that we are human and that our colleagues are human too, and that sometimes we just need that time off to come back feeling refreshed and stronger, then it can make a big difference. Now, there are some companies that are very progressive in this nature. Some companies not only have sick leave, but have programs for women who are menstruating or who are in perimenopause and menopause and ways that you can adjust your work schedule or your workflow to accommodate these changes over time. And if you are working in one of those companies, if you are leading one of those companies, that is wonderful. And I applaud you for that. I'm so happy that that's working out. But most companies are not like that. Most offices and most jobs and even most independent contractors don't really have that ability. But the truth is, while I do think people should be able to talk openly and honestly about what they are suffering with, really, it's nobody else's business. Whether you need to take off time because of a sick child or parent or whether you are taking off time because you yourself have an illness or because you are suffering through menopausal symptoms should not make a difference. Nobody needs to know why it is that you're taking off the time if you want to keep that information private to yourself, but you should be empowered to take the time when you need it and not have to tell everybody every detail of your life. And that brings me to the last thing that this article brought up for me, and that was the idea of what is good and what is bad when we're looking at economic impacts for menopause and people experiencing this transition. In the original study from the Mayo Clinic, they listed these as adverse work outcomes, meaning something that was bad or was wrong. And I kind of question, well, is it? Now, of course, like I mentioned before, I want people to be feeling well enough that they can be productive, that they can go to work when they need to, that they can continue in a job that they want to. I don't want anyone to have to retire early or cut back their hours or miss work if it's something that they want to be doing. But on the other hand, as we've discussed previously, I do think of perimenopause and menopause as a great transition point, a time to rethink what it is that you want out of life, out of your career, and out of the other parts of your life as well. See, society has always been very good about telling women when and how and where to work. And while I'm a big fan of Rosie the Riveter that got all these women out of the house and into jobs to help fill in the gaps when men were off fighting in World War II, 
it was that idea that it was women's responsibility to take on those roles and gaps when society needed them. And then suddenly, when the men came back, those jobs were never considered the women's jobs to keep anymore. Suddenly, they had to give up those jobs and go back to their homes and give those jobs back to the men who supposedly owned or deserved those jobs in the first place. Now, that's just one example, but that's typically how things have been throughout history, where we tell women where and when and how much and what kind of work they need to be doing. We tell them what professions are suitable for women, what type of negotiation is suitable for women, what type of behavior we want to see in women in the workforce, and what makes them unwomanly if they're behaving differently. We ask them to act like a man when we want them to and to act differently when we think that they're being too aggressive or too manly. And my argument is that women should get to decide for themselves when and how and what type of work they do. Now, that's not to say that we don't all have our responsibilities and that we don't all have to make a contribution to society or find ways to support ourselves and our families. Of course, everyone has their roles and their responsibilities, but I want women in perimenopause and menopause to be able to choose for themselves. Now, of course, that also doesn't mean that you're going to love your job or your work or your career every second of every day. Sometimes work is hard. Sometimes work is boring. Sometimes work is stressful or downright miserable. What I'm suggesting is just that we look inward and see, is this work that I'm doing all in all enjoyable to me? fulfilling to me? Is this what I want out of the next phase of my life? Maybe you're in a career place that you've been a little bit slower or not pushing as hard because you were raising kids or it wasn't the right time for other reasons in your life. Maybe you're at that stage now where you're in the right job, you're in the right position or you're in the right field and it's really time to lean in as they say. And if that's what you want, if you want to lean in, then go all for it. Lean in, do that push, find that climb and that desire and that work in your career that you are looking for. But if that's not what you're looking for, if you're ready to make a pivot, if you're ready to slow down, If you want to focus on other aspects of your life that are more important to you right now, then I think that should be an option for you too. Of course, we all have to find our own ways and to make sure that that works and fits with our families and with our goals. But I do think this is the time where maybe those 43% of women in England who left their jobs with their menopausal symptoms, maybe their body was giving them a red flag that this job they had been pushing themselves to continue in time after time was no longer serving them. Maybe it was not the right move for them. Only you know what your best move is, what your next best 
choice is for you and for your career. My goal is for you to be armed with the information that you need to help yourself to feel the best you can, to have the treatment options available so that you get to choose. Is this something that I want to push for and show up feeling my best and work harder and make progress in my career? Or is this a time when I want to feel my best so I can take my time and make a choice in a different direction. The bottom line is this $1.8 billion in losses is not all about the numbers, but it's a window into what's really going on for us, what's going on with our suffering and the lack of resources that have been out there and a window into what's going on with our career decisions and how we move forward. I hope you take a chance to examine that window for yourself and find the best choice for you. Please don't take this to mean that Dr. Rich said I have to go out and quit my job. That is definitely not what I'm saying. For some, of course, you may love your career. You may love your job. You may want to continue with it. For others, you may need to continue. I understand that that's not feasible for everybody. What I want for you to do is to be able to examine what's going on in your life and what's working and what's not and to be able to make adjustments. And I want you to have the freedom to be able to make those adjustments. So to that end, just tune in next week where I will be talking with Brittany Edwards, who's a financial financial advisor about how to set up your financial future so that you have those options going forward. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review and share with someone in your life who may benefit from this too. Remember that while I am a doctor, this podcast does not constitute medical advice and is for informational purposes only. Talk with your doctor about what may apply to you and your health. We'll see you on the next episode of Enriched Menopause.